Welcome to the Kindness Collective Podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Harrington, where each week I'll be interviewing game changers who are up to good things in the world, supporting us with health and wellness resources, and ultimately how to live your kindest life. Let's get started. everybody. Uh, this is Patrick Carrington with Kindness Collective Podcast. So uh, happy, honored, joyful, what other words, Sam? Relaxed. Relaxed. <laughs> <laughs> to have my friend and colleague and teacher and student, um, family member, thank you, Sam Abraham on the show today. Um, really happy to have you here. Thanks, well, Sam. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Why not? Um, so we've gone over all the ground rules of the podcast and we're both going to try and behave ourselves. Is that right? Can yes. we agree at the beginning? Yes. Okay. It's going to be challenging, but I'll give it my best. We're going to try. Because <laughs> yes. for those of you that know Sam, know, uh, Sam is a little bit of a jokester too and a teacher. And so uh, I hope some of the, we get to have some of his jokester too. It comes natural. To That's, me, right. So That's right. That's right. That's okay. right. So part of... Part of um, this first podcast with Sam, because I know we'll be hearing from him again in the future, is just this idea of really understanding where who Sam is and, and where Sam is from and and letting us who, you know, may not have a context for, for how he grew up and his family and um, just his path to coming to yoga um, is something that uh, I've always wanted to dive even deeper into. And so I think the first thing I would just love to hear about is, you know, how, how was your childhood different in your mind from your son Jonas who grew up here in the yeah. States and even you know other kids that you see growing up here how was it there wow. in Eritrea by the way yeah in Eritrea Eritrea yeah. is by the way is in East Africa yeah it's by the Red Sea um, if you're curious it's the size of Idaho mm. and the population is between four and five it's a very small country. Eritrea, just to give you a little background, it was colonized by Italians from 1886 until 1946. And the Italian, the British came and kicked them out. The British stayed there for 10 years. And then after that, Eritrea became part of Ethiopia. And then, of course, we went through revolution and fighting and resisting. We got our country back in 92. Mm. Yeah, but I was born and raised there in Asmara. Asmara is the main city. Mm-hmm. Uh, Asmara is one of, um, I don't think it's now, but it used to be a honeymoon city. It's one of the cleanest city in Africa. Wow. A lot of Arabs and other countries come for the honeymoon hmm. because the, the, the city is actually designed by Italians. Wow. If you see the architects and the buildings of the church and the cafeteria, you think you're in Rome. That's why some people call Asmara small Rome. Wow. You go, wow, what am I? Amazing. So, um, what was I, it like before the Italians built there? What was the, how was the architecture different before um, the Italians put the city up? Oh, it was just villages, actually. Uh-huh. Actually, the name Asmara comes from 
there was a, a tribe tension in the area. Mm-hmm. So those four women from different tribe came in, got together, less work together, and then they called the city Asmara. Asmara means they came together. Wow. And that's how that city became Asmara. It was a four women. Uh, they kind of separate themselves from the conflict. Look, we have children. We have this. We have this. We interact with each other. Why not? We just create one big city that accommodates to all of us and let's name this Asmara and then the rest is history. Wow, that's yeah, amazing. It's a very interesting story actually about those four women. Yeah. Wow, I love yeah. that it was yeah. four women, four representatives women that came. Step outside of all the conflict, not the men. I think the other thing is maybe not all women. I think women where I came from has equal rights in a way. Hmm. They could, you know, stand up for themselves the women's rights were very interesting. Hmm. When I hear all this resistance in other cultures, women cannot, cannot do. Yeah, there was some, but not really. Even the revolution fighting against Ethiopia to become independent, the majority of fighters were Eritreans, actually. Hmm. They kind of didn't get the credit at the end. The women, the, the Eritrean women, women. actually hmm. fought the hardest and you know they did all the work. Wow. Yeah, it's a very fascinating story. That is. Yeah, good. It sounds like a good teaching story. Oh, yeah. yeah. Huh. Yeah. Okay, so you grew up there, and right. what are your parents' names? Uh, my mother's name is Latab. Uh huh. Uh, my father's name is Abraham. Uh huh. I'm Sam Abraham. Yeah. Uh, the way we name ourselves is different from the Western. We don't have such thing as last name. Mm. Each child takes the father's first name hmm. and that's how and then at the same time the parents is obligated to teach his child or her child up to 12 generations the father's side only so don't ask me why hmm. the father's side only i can name up to 17 or 18 generations though, yeah uh, only only i'm supposed to remember just 10 or 12 hmm. so i have it documented and it goes way back, way, way, way. That's why I can always say that I know exactly where I came from. Wow, how Actually, the village that my father was born and raised is named after the first generation Mungoti. He His name was Mungotai. Hmm. And that village was named after him. And then we kind of, you know, my father was the first one to leave. He came to Asmara. He joined the military. And where did he come from? Adumungoti. That's about... 50 miles from the city. It's okay. not that very far. Uh-huh. But he was the first one to leave the village and come to live in Asmara. Uh-huh. I was the first one to born and raised. In a, because I come you from were. a big family with seven boys. Mm. I'm the middle one. Uh-huh. So I was the first one to be born and raised. And then the rest, they were born in, in Mendafara, which uh-huh. is my father's village. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. And he came to join the military? Yeah, because of the military, we stayed in military campus. Uh-huh. Just designated for them. So uh-huh. that's what we lived. The it Eritrean be, government? It used to belong to the Italian. No, no it was under, Ethiopian. Yeah, Ethiopian government. Uh-huh. Because I was, I think when Eritrea became part of Ethiopia, uh, I was, uh, I think I was four or five years old uh-huh. already. So um, he was an Eritrean soldier and then, when Ethiopia kind of took over Eritrea, they became... The same military. The same military. He was always in the military. How, how do you think that was for him? 
Um, I think without going too much into the, the story, Eritrea is 50-50. 50 Muslims, 15 Christians, okay. Orthodox Christians. Mm-hmm. So what, when United Nations decided, when British were pulling out, the United Nations decided, okay, we can't leave this country alone by itself. Let's try under federation with Ethiopia, mm-hmm. like a supervise the country. Mm-hmm. But during that process, King Haile Selassie mm-hmm. persuaded the Christians, but by then, you know how British are, mm-hmm. divide and conquer. Mm-hmm. There was never conflict before. When they first came in, the first conflict they created was between Muslims and Christians. Mm-hmm. They created that tension. You think the British did? Oh, the British the did. Brit- they did, the British yes. did, because mm-hmm. I remember my father's neighbor was a big Muslim family. We celebrated the holiday, vice versa. There was no tension whatsoever. Mm. But when the British came in, they created that tension, and that lingered a little bit. And then Haile Selassie took advantage of that. He persuaded the Christians, you better be part of us, because we have the same religions, we, have this, we look alike, we have the same names, we have the same food. And part of Eritrea, not all Eritrea, but part of it, the majority, people who were dominant at that point. And he persuaded all the Christians. They said yes. Within a few months, he killed all the leaders and then made Eritrea part of Ethiopia. And that's when the revolution started in 1961. It took 30 years to get our country back. Wow. I know. So I grew up with all that conflict. And you were th- you yeah. were three or four when yeah. Ethiopia mm. took absorbed Eritrea, yeah. and then right. how soon after that did the revolution start? Um, I think about a few months later in sixty one. And so, how did your dad reconcile that? Because he was part of the. I think at that point, uh, there's a safety issue. There's a fear. Mm-hmm. I mean, as a human, you you want to be safe. You have sure. other responsibilities. You, you just go with the flow, and. Um, He's the only one can answer that question. Yeah. But I'm sure he just went right along and he stayed in the military. Mm-hmm. He served Ethiopia, but he always stayed in Eritrea. Mm-hmm. And um, when he became independent, he was happy about that and the rest is history. And so was he, was he involved in defending the Ethiopia um, ownership of the company? Of the country, rather? To some extent. Yeah. Because they had no choice at that point. Sure. Because they were assassinating people. Wow. You don't want to get killed. No. So, you know, he also is aware of it that the other half is fighting, which is one of my brothers, actually. He was in the revolution. Mm. He left back in late 60s, and he was assassinated in 81 or 82. Mm. And that's what I come in. And, uh, okay, we can't. I can't send all my children. So back then, people were escaping to Sudan because we always thought it's temporary, it's going to end today, tomorrow, next month, next year, but it didn't. And I went to Sudan, escaped. I walk uh, for nine days, hiding during the day and walking during the night so that we won't be able to recognize it because city kids are easily recognized. We dress like a local. Right. And I have a picture. It's very fascinating. And um, the guy, he led us. He was the only one responding to the local when we running into people on the, on the road hmm. walking. We, we wouldn't say a word. Hmm. And then when we were crossing the border, we said, oh, we here to pick cottons. Hmm. And they let us in. Wow. And then 
we went to Sudan. I stayed there for you. Who is we? We, it was three of us, by the way. Three brothers three, and sisters? No, that three? escaped. No, three friends. Three friends. We were a, a basketball team. We played basketball together. We went to high school together. And then we decided we're not going to join the revolution, but we're going to escape. <laughs> wow. It sounds selfish, but at that point for me, it was practical. I'm not going to be part of the revolution. I'm going to leave, live somewhere else and support from that part, which I did. I yes. was very involved, you know, collecting money and mm. all that kind of stuff and speaking up and having a um, parade or, or what do you call it? Demonstration. Demonstrations. Yeah. I remember my first big demonstration was in Bonn, Germany. When it was Bonn, was the main city of West Germany. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Wow. God, yeah. Wow. A lot of stuff. What a cool thing. <laughs> I know. And then from Sudan, I went, because things did improve, I went to Germany. I lived in Germany for three years. Can you talk a little bit about um, what conditions were like in Sudan? Were you in a refugee camp? We were ref- you- no, we went in a camp. We were refugee. That's our status. But we live in the city. We mingled. Some of us worked. Some of us didn't. I did work a couple times, but the majority of the time I didn't. We also had family members already in Europe, in the United States. You know, if we need extra cash, they would send us and... And that's how we did it. Can you can you take me back a little bit? What yeah. were your two friends' names that you left with? Solomon and Michael. And are you still Mikhail. friends with them? Yes. Michael went to Sweden, stayed there. He's a grandfather now. Solomon went to Auckland. He has one child. I'm the godfather of that child. Uh-huh. Yeah. And so talk to me about... Um, who, who amongst you brought up the idea of leaving? Me. <laughs> <laughs> because I, I am not but back then we were a team but playing basketball yeah you know people what position to, did you play uh i was a three-point shooter okay we didn't call it three-point shooter and i was a high jumper and three-point shooter okay and i was also a little bit of selfish <laughs> so i have the ball <laughs> and then but the good shooting. thing is i always made it okay yes yeah, so. yeah you can be a selfish it, if you always make yeah. it <laughs> so uh it was fun and then um Things were really... Oh, here's what the main point was. At that time, Ethiopia became communist. Okay. Haile Selassie was overthrowing in 73. The communists took over. And how old are you in 73? Oh, um, I don't know. Added. I was born 1965. What would that be? 65. So you were... 56. (laughs) 56. I was born in 56. 56. So 14. 14. Plus 3. You were 17. Yeah, Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Yep. And then uh, the Ethiopian government announced anyone who's 18 and older has to register, join the military, fighting against my people. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Wow. And that's what, oh, no. Uh, the, the option was a lot of kids my age joined the revolution. Right. And I said, oh, no. No. I'm going to go somewhere else. I'm going to stay in Sudan. It was kind of rare at that point. People were immigrating to Sudan. Somehow I learned about it. I said, yes, because I'm not fighting. Right. <laughs> yeah. So. And so do you do you remember I the first time you suggested to Solomon and what's the other guy's name? Uh, Michael. And Michael. Do you, rem- do you remember, yeah, that, I remember that, that moment? What discre- oh, yeah. walk, walk, walk through that. Were you nervous? Were you? No. Actually... I'm the only one who told his parents that we're leaving. Uh, Those two didn't. Oh, wow. They didn't tell. Their parents find out after we left. Oof. But I told my parents, and my father trying to 
kind of, you know, he hesitated. He was a little bit nervous. We don't know anyone in Sudan. What are you going to do? I'll be fine. I go to the city. Yeah. I was still the temporary. If we get our country back, I'll come back. If not, then I just stay there. Right. But I am not. <laughs> I know some people are going <laughs> to think it's selfish, but that's, that's what in my mind at that point, that was the... I think it, I think that what it brings up for me, Sam, is not yeah. selfish. It's it's alignment, yeah. is what it brings up, and and the and the idea of, you know, when one is in alignment with their government, yeah. and or not, and how do you support change, and for some people that is to to be involved in direct confrontation or right. a direct right. dialogue with right. other, yeah. and for others uh, like yourself who chose to leave and support from outside of your country. Right, right. Um, I think that a, a revolution needs all layers right. of people. And so I, I, I don't hear, I don't hear but selfish. But I'm not saying that I started this thing. Other people already done this. They were already in Sudan. Sure. So the communication was very poor. We didn't have social media or what, even a phone call. We just a word of mouth. So and so left. They stay in Sudan. La la la. I said, oh, there's a way out. Yeah. And that was it. So so describe um, describe a bit of the school situation when you grew up. Like, is it traditional twelve grades like high school, just like the United States? Just United States. From uh, we didn't have kindergarten. Okay. It's um, first grade. I okay. mean, you jump, what do we call it? Kindergarten? Not yeah, kindergarten. What's preschool? the first one? Preschool? Kindergarten? No, the first, first one grade. before first. What do you guys Kindergarten? Call? Kindergarten, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you go to kindergarten. Actually, uh, this is a funny story. I remember when I was in kindergarten, Kennedy was a president, I think. I remember receiving milk, powder hmm. milk, you know, that you can yeah. make. Remember drinking, oh, this came from America. Uh, Kennedy gave it to us. So before the class, we drink this hot, warm milk. I was like, wow. But there's also more connection though, uh, back then. I think the United States came there back in 1957. They had a base in Asmara. Uh-huh. Actually, my high school was on the third floor. If I lean through the window, I can see the base and watch Americans play football. Wow. Which is fascinating to me. Why are they calling them football when they are playing with their hands? Right. This makes no sense. That's hilarious. But And then they were all young. Yeah. And they are the other things. But back then, this is also during the Vietnam War area. Yeah. Rich white parents, they send the kids in Asmara mm. when the poor are fighting in Vietnam. They called it information center. It was a hiding place. That's why I was always, we were wondering, why are they all young? And we hear that they have blacks and this. Why are they all white boys on there? And then they were crazy. They were on motorcycle. They always getting an accident. They used to scare us. Wow. And they're all young. Wow. So, and then later on, I learned, oh, actually, the parents were hiding them there. Wow, so that's, interesting. Yeah. And then we used to have uh, radio 24 hours, mm-hmm. Casey Kasem. I knew it in Asmara. And <laughs> I, before I came here, I used to like country music until I came here when I was working at the airport. So what kind of music? They're like, I like country music. And really? They were shocked <laughs> and disappointed. I said, what's wrong with that? And then now I don't admit it. I just, right. I mean, I like, like music. Country, yeah, just music. <laughs> country music came on at noon. Yes. 
It was fun. Yeah. I think part of the attraction was the melody. Yeah, sure. We liked it. And did and you speak then, English at that point? No. Yeah. So you didn't poor. understand it's just the, the melody. The, yeah, yeah, the melody. I don't know. I love. I used to love um, Dolly Parton, Jolene. Oh, until such a good I song. learned the real lyrics, I said. Oh, is that what she's saying? That's so funny. So, John Denver, I remember that. Rocky yeah. Mountain High and all that. Freddie, whatever. I can't remember the other names. But it was fun. That's cool. Music. We didn't care the names. We just the melody. Yeah, right. Yeah. And so were you were you learning a, a British-based education? Or were you learning an Eritrean or Ethiopian? They call it just English. Ex- Oxford English. That's what they call it. But we didn't mm. really learn English until the seventh grade. That's where we learned A, B, C, D. That's where we start writing. And some of the lectures, even though they lectured in our language, but the print is in English. Mm-hmm. Was, English was just separate. Like like you guys learn Spanish here. Sure, sure. How many people end up learning and speaking it and using it? It's just... Not as many. Yeah, no. But it's it's just different though because you yeah. could turn on the Casey Kasem and you would yeah. have English being sung yeah. back to you yeah. to recognize. I heard it. I was familiar with the sound. Yeah. But all I knew is goodbye, hi, and that kind of stuff. Music. We knew some words, you know, but I didn't really speak the language. And so where you lived, when, let's say when you started doing first grade, did yeah. you take a bus? Did you no, walk? It was a walking distance, but I would say. A block, maybe. Yeah, because you have to be six years old to start. Okay. I was six, and I went to that one. And then in second grade, I went two miles and a half, but we walked. Huh. And you, and, I, you and your brothers? Uh, whoever goes to that school. Uh-huh. I think it's... A, okay, you did ask me this earlier, the difference growing up here yes. and there. Yes, We didn't have a fear of getting kidnapped or somebody abusing you. It's like... It takes a village to raise a child. Every every adult is your parents. Right. If somebody catches you doing something, they're allowed to punish you or to discipline you. Wow. And then find out who they, your parents are. And then if they go and tell your parents, you, you, you're done. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So we were fear, we fear adults. There was a huge respect with adults there. Right. So we knew our line. And just anyone who's neighbor... We Everybody call each other, in. and then we just walk. As long as you show up for breakfast, lunch, or dinner, parents didn't care what you were. Right. Huh. So it was fun. I didn't. I don't want to jump in a little bit. When my son, I when I took my son when he was ten years old, that's the only thing he really appreciated. He can just take off on his own. Yeah. Go whatever he want to. He was very hesitant at the beginning because he grew up here. He has that permission. Somebody has to be with you. Oh, no, no, you can go whatever you want to anytime. Wow. He really liked that. Wow, sure. Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. As long as you have breakfast, lunch, dinner, I don't care what you are. Real dad? Oh, yes. <laughs> and he would just take off. He goes to my oldest brother's house and the other one. And he plays soccer on the street. And it was fun. And and do you what was the is the population pretty homogeneous or is it pretty international? Like do you look around and see only black people? Oh no or? no, it was national because we were colonized. A lot of Italians when the government got kicked out uh-huh. in nineteen sixty what is it fifty uh, forty six? Uh-huh. Some Italians chose to stay behind. Uh-huh. Some of them had children. Mm-hmm. That's why to this day. I can count faster and better in Italian than any other languages. Let's hear it. Yeah, so we used to count. I had a lot of Italian friends. I still have contact with some of them. 
Yeah. That's why I like going to Italy because I. Because you speak people. the language and you're oh, insider. Yeah. yeah. How cool. How many languages do you speak, Sam? <laughs> well, I always say six. Uh-huh. Tigrinya will be my mother language. Amharic is Ethiopian language. Uh, Italian, of course, I learned that from back home, but I also lived in Italy for six months. That was later on. And Germany, because I lived in Germany for three years. And I also speak a little bit of American English. A little bit yeah. of English. Yeah, American English. American English, right? That would make sense, yeah. <laughs> um, and so the buildings where the school is, is it would it be a building that we would see here? Yeah. Looks the just very similar. Yeah, uh-huh. very similar. High ceilings. That's all I remember. Here are the ceilings are a little short. But there's yeah. a high ceiling. Right. No, we had everything. Actually, it was just because of the Italians, we were yeah. already exposed to all this stuff. More modern if you architecture. Get a chance, Google it. You see Asmara. It's like wow. Right. Looks That's like a European city. Yeah, just European city. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. The architect, the hotels, the church, and all that stuff is yeah. Very. How did you? How did? Uh, how? So your family? You grew up Christian or Muslim? Orthodox. No, Orthodox. Christian, Orthodox. Orthodox. Christian. It was way back. Way uh-huh. Yeah. And then Jehovah Witness was uh, introduced by my oldest brother. Oh. Uh, I think except me and my one of my older brother, the rest are Jehovah's Witness. Okay. I, I just like, oh no. <laughs> when did that? When did that happen? He introduced it to a house. I would say back in the seventies, actually, because he worked at the airport. Uh huh. And he he met a lot of Americans. Yeah. Because Jehovah's Witness came from America. It's made in America. That's right. So he was exposed to us, and they gave him all these promises, and <laughs> I'm going to get in trouble for this. <laughs> <laughs> and. Uh, he persuaded one of my brothers, and then he skipped me because I resisted, and then the other three, and so, yeah. They still Jehovah Witnesses, by the way. Yeah. Yeah, they children and all that. It's like, live, let, live. Okay, it's yours, I'm fine, and mine yeah. is orthodox. I don't go to church, but right. <laughs> if I died, I'm sure they're going to bury me. Right, <laughs> right. I'm going to have the service, but... <laughs> Put your final wishes out there. Exactly. <laughs> yes. I mean, you know. That's that's awesome. Yeah. Um, I think it's amazing that a family was introduced to a new religion and it was adopted. I think that shows a real openness um, yeah. within your family. Yeah. yeah, my parents never changed. Okay, but they respect. You know, okay, this is, they respect. He the convinced them. They can be very persuasive and convincing sure. with their whatever it is. Uh huh. But it didn't really resonate with me. I said, no, no, thank you. Yeah. Why? It's, it's okay. <laughs> Just leave me. I'm good. Because I don't like this. I'm not making a joke of anything. I don't like going to house to house and trying to recruit. And that just, no, 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 no. Yeah. I like the Orthodox. If you show up, they embrace you. If you don't, they don't worry about you, why you didn't show up. It's an open house. You know, I like that mm. part. It's very mm. liberal. And that's like you celebrate Christmas, Easter, and all that big holidays. Yeah. Then and then you show up. Especially in Easter, you have to show up. Right, right, because, right. You know, because they fasting and and you have to transition. We all, my parents are very devoted to Orthodox, and they took us like five a.m. in the morning, and they serve us this an interesting meal afterward. I was like, wow, I miss yeah. those. Yeah. 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 Well, it's tradition, it's right? Tradition, and yeah. ritual, yeah, ritual, and yeah. the meaning behind it. Yeah, I feel that way too. I that's that's why I. Um, um, you know, Sunday, the Sunday 10 has been such a big part of my life. You know, it's like, a, um, I've probably taught the Sunday 10 for 15 of the 
almost I've been 19 saying years. eight, and I'm glad you corrected yeah. me. I yeah. tell people, why do you why did you give it to Patrick? I didn't give it to Patrick. That was his. Mm. It's a natural that he he's been teaching that class for eight years. Mm. Now he's in town. Yeah. He was already teaching the eight a.m., which he has done both. It was a natural thing. I said, like, oh, yeah. "Come on, it's yours." Mm. And that's the story. So Thank don't you. make any story. That was it. It's like, yeah. yeah, take it, please. It's yours. I was just holding the space for you until you get back. And you yeah. did such a beautiful, yeah. wonderful yeah. job. So that's how it is. Yeah, shout out to all of Sam's students. I know, I know that you're loved and, and missed at that time slot. Some yeah. have come with and yeah. some have not. Life. But yeah. it is it yeah. is life. Yeah. Um, but I think that what you're pointing at, it, and one of the things that I think yoga yeah. does for so many people today who, like yourself, grew up with tradition, right. but now maybe don't participate in the way that they grew up. Yeah but still want and desire community yeah. and tradition yeah. and, and a way that goes away. No, yeah. I think it's germane. Yeah. I think that's kind of what, what, you know, spirituality and religion yeah. really does is it's, it's a core way of, yeah. uh, of connecting with each other. Exactly. Remember, remembering something bigger yeah. than ourselves. Um, so, wow. It's just fascinating to me that you, um, would you consider yourself a refugee at that point oh, when yeah. you left? You oh, were yeah. a refugee. Because we, we look different. We acted different. Yeah. And Sudan is almost like a Muslim country. Right. Uh, but they were very generous. Yeah. Extremely generous. So. What was, was cool. what, what was the state of Sudan, um, when you were there? How Actually, was... it was really, it's not like there is now. It was very democratic. I mm-hmm. remember the president at that when it was elected democratically. Right. Great president. Mm. Yeah, the only thing challenge was it was hard to find job. Yes. Uh, but we knew that we were just there temporary. It was not a permanent situation. Even though some Eritreans do settle there. Yeah. But like me or my friends, we were just transitioning. Yeah. Either we're going to go back home, things are going to change. Or we're just going to go to Europe or some people. And then some people start going to the United States, to Canada, and to Europe. I went to Germany. That's how I ended up in Germany. And you and your friends chose to separate at that point. Because whatever opportunity is, you just go. <clears throat> yeah. Me and Solomon, we ended up in Germany. Uh, Mikhail ended up in, in Sweden. Because mm-hmm. yeah. he has an aunt already there. And I already have another friend in Germany, they were my neighbors mm-hmm. because of friends. Yep. It was a natural, and I went there, and the rest is history. Wow. what What's different about that relationship with those two guys than with anybody else? How How is it different because of that decision you made? I think we were very close, extremely uh-huh. close. Yeah. And, um, you know, but we kind of grew apart later on because we live in different states. And, sure. And, you know, distance kind of sometimes creates the gap. But when we get together, we go back to that childhood. Within five minutes, all our conversation is that place. Yeah. We don't talk about from, let's say it was in 82 that I came here. We don't talk about from 82 up to now. It has to be prior to 82. <sighs> Do you remember so-and-so? Oh, yes. Do you remember this? Our conversation and other people who are not familiar with what we were saying, they, they, they have two options. They can stay, listen, or just yeah. leave. Do something else. This is it. Yeah. Right, right, right. Yeah. We have pictures. And we have stories. And, yeah, it's, we were more than friends. We were almost like brothers in a way. Yeah. But 
you know, there's always that distance, family and friends. Once we kind of sure. drifted away, it was kind of easier to drift away. Now that the social media and all that stuff, we do say hi. I do, I do go visit them, California. Mm-hmm. Sweden, I went in, when I was in Germany, I went in 81. Yeah. And he, my friend came with his oldest son in 91. And again, he came back with his oldest daughter to Denver. She actually ended up going to Boulder mm. University. And then he brought his second daughter. She wants to Greeley. And then now that's it. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, it's so it's so different, I think, for those of us that are um, immigrants, you know, second, third, fifth yeah. generation Im- immigrants here to the United States. Yeah. We, I don't have an experience of having to leave my home, right. not of my, fr- I mean, of your free will, you left, yeah. but yeah. the reasons came for something out of control and you didn't yeah. agree with it. You said, right. okay, I'm, I'm, I'm going with the shirt on my back. Yeah. And... Um, and now, of course, we see this all over the world. Yeah, there's it's, refugees. It's common now. How how do you think? And this is speculative, of course, but just curious. How do you think it is different? Is it better? Is it worse to be a refugee today than it was when you left your country? Oh my God, I think it's worse. Yeah. In my case, I don't know if you follow the story. A lot of every trans are actually drowning in the ocean, in the Mediterranean Ocean, right now to cross because it's difficult. Yeah. Very very difficult. Right. In my time, it was not that difficult. You know, there was a process in place. When the Germany accepted me as a refugee, it was an easy thing to do. Hmm. They knew every time was communist, we were occupied, people were fleeing, and actually they accepted me at the airport. Wow. Yeah, that was it. And so um, how were you treated by the German people? Did you experience racism? Oh, not really. I think Germans are exceptional because of what they went through. Uh-huh. You know, they are they always they have their own story. Yeah. They were very welcoming, but I didn't personally didn't experience it, but there was curiosity. You know, the Germans haven't seen that many black people. So it was just some of them they were going by the stereotype, what they heard, the misconception, but to actually up close to see what we just just like you, just like I have this issue, you have the issue, and yeah. Hmm. And then Germans are well educated. Yeah, I think they're well educated. They were very receptive. I was wow, it was amazing. But for me, why I decided to leave Germany and come to the United States was the education system. Mm-hmm. They made it very difficult. They want you to work in a factory, and mm. that's not my style. Right. No, I want education. I want to do what I wanted to do. Because you were gra- you had you graduated from high school? Yes, barely graduated. Uh, and then I finished it here, my GED, but I did kind of, I was tw- in 12th grade when I left. Okay. You were in the, in, in the, the middle of in that the middle year. Of 12. Yeah. Uh-huh. So I didn't participate the graduation ceremony because the school were ended in May and I left in January. So that kind of stuff, because it's just like, get out. Wow. Um, yeah. Germany was fun. I had a great time. I had a big Afro. Showing off my yeah, I think that's what yeah. they were most curious about. Yeah. <laughs> was, what is fun. that? Afro, I man. know it's it awesome. was so natural, and I had a great time. But the education system didn't appeal to me. It was very difficult. Yeah, and I said, and then I learned by and I said, you can pay it yourself. You can go to any as long as you do the work. You can work and go to school and all that kind of stuff. Wow, mm-hmm. sign me up. Yeah, and the rest is history. 
Wow. Yeah, May 6th of 1982 uh, is when I arrived here. Wow. 37 years ago. That's why I'm considering running for mayor uh because I have seniority. That's right. 37 years. You do have 37 years. That's my platform. I have seniority. Are you are you announcing your no. candidacy? No, I'm that not. That would be awesome. I know. So what are you gonna awesome. do for us? Well I have seniority, I know everything. Yes. So we'll I do yoga all the time. <laughs> there we go. Before the meeting, yoga. Yeah. Before you go home, yoga. Yoga. Yeah. Yes. That's we'll right. Yoga all the You're time. gonna make some better decisions, exactly. I'm sure of it. Yes. Well, one of the things I'm just struck with is um how different uh you know your time when you're 17 years old was from when I was 17 and how, um, you know, growing up has a trajectory. And, um, I think that often what happens for certain groups of people here in the States is we end up going to university, not because we are going to get educated in a specific way, because there's a hunger to learn more, but more just like we're not baked yet. You know, because we're because this is so for for many of us, for me, yeah. life is pretty simple here in terms of you know we have enough food. There's yeah. really no yeah. conflict in yeah. when I grew up. You know, there was fights and stuff like that and some gang stuff, but like nothing I was directly involved yeah. in. And um, and so when I think of seventeen and and walking yeah. to another country yeah. to avoid going to war. Yeah. I think of just the trajectory of your growing up. And do you feel like you missed out on things because you didn't get to just be a kid in the 12th grade? I think 17 is pretty much, I got everything there is to get. Out of the know? high school yeah. experience. And you know how when you're 18, you can leave home, right? Yeah. Yep. I was just almost there. Yes. Are you kidding? So to get out in the world, nobody has you to were tell excited. me what to do. That's why one of the things I was allowed to grow my hair because yeah. growing up, we were not allowed to grow. We used to get haircut every Saturday. Mm. Because my father's friend, he would just shave our head and it's like, oh, it was painful. Right. This is during the Jackson 5. They right. had Afro and I was like, oh. <laughs> oh. The minute when I left home, that's the first thing I did was let the hair grow. Get my hair picked. Freedom. I, I think there was that part. And then the other thing is... Um, I'm not saying that everybody's that way, but sometimes people, when you tell them you came from Africa, like everything is new to you. No, it's not new to me. Right, right, right. I dress up just like everybody else. And I watch movies. And there was an Italian movie. Yes. We watch movies. Uh, we had everything. Yeah. There was there was nothing shocking and new to me at all, except being in a different place. It's like moving me moving from Colorado to Texas or whatever. There is a, some subtle differences, but you wouldn't be that in shock. It's, to me, it was just, yeah, we had cars, we had bikes. I mean, you name it. We had everything. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, I think that is a misnomer. I yeah. think when I hear Africa, yeah. it seems much more tribal in yeah, my mind. And, um, but... Yeah, of course, uh, media. There is, and, yeah, for sure. Don't get me wrong. Even within Eritrea, for, sure. for those of us that were born and raised in Asmara, I mean, there's American base here. They, they have three bases. Mm-hmm. And there's the Italians among us. There were Indians. There were everybody. It was very diverse city. Sounds rich. Yeah. And then, actually, the history goes a little bit back. Prior to the Italians, the Egyptians occupied Eritrea. The Turkish... Hmm. Occupied area. Actually, there's still a building 
that was built by the Turkey hmm. back then. Hmm. And then I don't know how long they stayed. And then during the colony, because of course, it, Italians came in and they thought they were going to stay there forever. They built the city. Hmm. And the British kicked them out. And, and that was it. But you know, um, this is just my own story. When I hear South Africa versus Eritrea, the Italians were not like South Africa at all. Hmm. No, I don't. There was some, there were some, but it's not as ugly as South Africa. It right. didn't get to that point. That's why we don't have that much resentment. I don't have any resentments toward Italians. Right. Than I have with Ethiopia or the communists and all that. So because there was a lot of assassinating, all this killing and all that stuff. Control. I think the Italians, they had their own area, but they left everybody else intact. Right. They didn't really interfere. But right now, it's just like, I don't want to even go there. Right. <laughs> it's just too yeah. much. <laughs> yeah, but it, but I think yeah. it's really, uh, we, don't, we don't have to go there, yeah. but I think it's really interesting for people listening that want to know yeah. more about yeah. what's happening in Sam's home country right now. There's lots of news going on uh, lots, and lots of stuff. A lot of breaking news. Um, Talk a little bit about, um, so you came to the United States in 82, May yeah. of 82. Yeah. I was almost 10 years yeah. old. Yeah. Wow. And um, yeah. that's just So you should call me about. Mr. Abraham. Mr. Abraham. I call you okay. the Honorable. The Honorable Mr. Abraham. Yes. yes. Okay. Um, so you, so where did you land? I came, okay, before I came to United States, I was in Stuttgart in Germany. Yeah. I did research because mm-hmm. the place I stayed was surrounded by American base. Yeah. It was a huge base. Hospital was to my left. Kelly Barracks was to my right. And Robinson Barracks was here. The, I can't remember the other one. That's why I used to get TV and uh-huh. radio because of the channel. Uh, and I would ask this military school, oh, I only knew California, Texas. Uh, New York. New York. and all the, Every time I said, oh, no. And then Colorado, I knew someone who was already in Colorado. When okay. I Colorado, oh, yeah. And I said, have you visited Colorado? No, but I heard that everyone, most, almost everybody's new. Mm. So it would be nice to you. Mm. Oh, okay then. So I went to Rome. Tell the American ambas- ambassador, I want to go to Colorado. I already have a friend. And when I came to Denver, I didn't like it. What is this, a village or a city? Because uh-huh. there was hardly anything. It's in between. When you see people, you have to go to downtown or you have to go to mall. Everybody is driving. Yeah. Where are the people? That's right. It was, it was a shock. I didn't like it. I resisted. Now, I can't live anywhere but Colorado. Yeah. I love Denver. I mean, the blue sky reminds me back home. The high altitude reminds me back home. Yeah. Asmara is also sitting on high altitude. Uh-huh. I always had the uh, blue sky. And wow, this is... And then I accepted it. Now I love it. I always get very protective when anybody says anything about Colorado. Yeah. <laughs> Excuse me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's right. It's For my sure. home now. Yeah. Yeah. And so you flew into Stapleton. I flew to Stapleton directly from Rome. Uh-huh. Yes. And um lived in um oh my god, Crimea and Monaco. It's a, no not Monaco, Crimea, they go parallel Tennessee. Tennessee and um Monaco. Okay. For three weeks. Uh-huh. And then with who? Uh, with a friend. Okay. Because they kinda of sponsored me in the way. Yeah. Yeah, if he comes in we'll accept them. And uh-huh. they did. And then remember driving from Stapleton, going through Monaco. I remember saying to my friend, wow, 
I'm going to buy a house here and live here. Mm. And she looked at me. I like it because it, the trees and everything is kind of, there's a little flavor of asmara. She goes, wow, you're right. Huh. Because the trees are really high. The house is kind of spread out. And, it's a bit, and it ended up doing that. I did buy a house in Park Hill. I still live there. Next month, it will be 30 years on that house. Wow. Yes. That's awesome. Yeah. 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 Uh, so, to go back to the original question, my first job was with United Airlines. Uh-huh. <laughs> this is really funny. Um, the guy who hired me didn't directly interview with me. Instead, he talked to a friend, no, a gentleman who works there, but he was my neighbor, hmm. Wayne and Hazel. The two of them work at Stapleton. When they learned that I spoke different languages, United Airlines back then, Denver was their hub. They would just, they bring people from the east, dump them here, take them to west, and vice versa. So they had a lot of people flying, didn't speak English, and there was a lot of misunderstanding. They thought they landed their destination, but actually they are somewhere else. Hmm. You would be perfect for that job. So he, all this time, instead of talking to me, talk to the person who can speak the English. So he took me for the interview. His name was Jack. Hmm. He never spoke directly to me. He spoke to Wayne. Hmm. And then Jack called. He said, you are, hi, this is Jack. Hello, you are hired. And I just say, thank you. And then I went to Wayne. Oh, the guy called me with my broken English. He said, hire, what is that? Oh, that means you got the job. <laughs> oh, okay. So here I am. Didn't speak the English. In the middle of this big concourse. Oh, my gosh. And I had to learn the language really fast. So I had a dictionary, German and English. I had it in my hand. It's about six by four. That's mm -hmm. thick. And that's how I learned English, by opening up the dictionary. My first mistake was, I meant to say impress. I said, I'm depressed. <laughs> and I can't remember her name. Why are you depressed, Sam? Because, and then you did this. We shouldn't be depressed then. Right. And then she figured, are you trying to say impress? What's the difference? Well, and then I went to my dictionary. Oh, you're right. It should be Funny. impressed. Hilarious. That's how I learned English. But I did a really good job. They liked me. And I always use it to jock. The hiring guy didn't even ask me one question. Right, right, right. But he ended up hiring me. So it's really fun. Isn't that the best way to learn a language, though? Yeah. Oh, just, I was just forced immersed. Learn concourse, getaway, airplane, jetway, blah, blah, blah. Like, oh, my God. I'm constantly learning. And then at the same time, I worked from 2 to 10. And from 8 to noon, I went learn English and did my GED at the same time. So... And here I am. That's beautiful. Yeah. Um, I'm still I, learning. I love hear that. I love hearing that. Yeah. Um, and so you had a wife somewhere in here. Yes, actually, while I was in the process of coming to United States, I was still in Germany visiting Rome back and forth. Then my girlfriend got pregnant. She told me it's yours, and we did all that stuff. Well, I'm going to United States, so would you want to come with me? I said, of course. She wants. Oh, I shouldn't say this. Um, she didn't want to have the kid, but I insisted that we should. Uh-huh. Jonas is listening. Uh, he knows we, the story. And I said, Jonas. yeah, yeah. And I said, oh, yeah, yeah, no, we should. I'm coming. You should come with me. And she was already pregnant. We landed May 6th of 82. Jonas was born September 26th of 82. Got it. Yeah. Okay. So, shout out to Jonas. Yeah, shout out to Jonas. Um, and what was her name? Elsa. Elsa. Like the dog. Like no kidding. Like the popular... Yeah. Uh, queen. Yeah. Queen, yeah. 
Um, and so, uh, how, how was it to, um, become a father for you? What? I think, um, looking back, I loved it. I'm not bragging, but I was so good at it, actually. Yeah. Very good at it. And then when my son was seven, well, we divorced when he was four. And uh-huh. the judge asked him, why do you want to be with your father? And, uh, he said, uh, I feel at home when I'm with him. Mm. And that's the end of it. Yeah, right. And then he was seven still. We were eating lunch. He said, wow, I'm going to have one son. We're going to call him Daniel. And then you're going to raise him. I said, oh, why? Because you're so good at it. And I said, okay. And I had to pause. And I said, well, let me ask you something. Is my father raising you? And he goes, no. So why should I raise your child? Oh, Oh, but you're going to be around. Oh, yeah, I'll be around. Uh-huh. But you will be raising your own child. Oh, okay. Wow. So it was kind of... Isn't you know, that beautiful? It's a compliment there, but there's breaking also news Also a there. boundary. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. News. You have your child, you're raising your own. So I think what really raising Jonas did for me, it kept me grounded. I didn't mm. really... Uh, what is the word I'm looking for? I became a parent when I was 26 it kept me really grounded. Mm-hmm. It's a huge response. I was 25, 26. Huge responsibility. Mm-hmm. I didn't really, that wild part of me that I developed in Germany, I didn't get to continue from dancing every night, go to party every night. It's a party. It's a disco era at that yeah, time. Sure. It's all about the disco, nonstop, every night. Going to Paris, going to Holland, going to Rome, traveling all the time. And it was just boom. It just kept me really grounded. Uh, I got really disciplined, and I was actually, I think I was really good at it. Maybe Jonas has a different take, but I think I was really good at it, yeah. No, he, he's, yeah. He's, he's an awesome man, yeah, um, so. I think, I, I, from the outside, yeah. and the little bit of time we ever get to spend yeah. together, he is a, he's a compassionate, yeah. aware, intelligent yeah. man. Good job. All right, so that's, that's the story. Yeah. Uh, I liked it. I, I took it seriously. And I had a very good upbringing, happy upbringing. Yeah. Actually, I didn't know how happy my upbringing was until I left and while we were comparing notes with the other kids who immigrated like me. There was always guests in our house. There's always food everywhere. Everybody was welcomed. Right. We love having visitors. And then looking back, oh my God, you know, just food all the time, visitors all the time story all these visitors they stay for a week three days three weeks at a time mm. it was just it was very welcoming spirit i think maybe i still have that in me that's why I, I can be a good host yeah i can manage the room because i still have that skill set you know when my parents are out and about if the guests just drop in because back then you didn't have to announce you just you show up knock at the door and there it is. Come on in. And then I take that role and I will welcome them, mm. make sure that they get a tea, a water, a food, whatever, until the parents and the other adults show up. Wow. Yeah. yeah. I'll bet you are a popular dad yeah. with yeah. kids. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, sure. Yeah. I was kind of, I remember when Jonas was in the eighth grade, I always looked young. Yeah, I always say that I was 21 for 21 years. <laughs> I looked 21 <laughs> for 21 years. So one day he goes, uh, it was a uh, children and parents uh, at the blessed sacrament. Sure. He goes, Dad, 
can you uh, uh, put your work clothes? I said, why? So you can look like parent. Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, okay. I put my jacket on, of course. But I remember playing basketball with the kids and because, you know, I'm very good at it. Yeah. Make the shot and, you know, it's cool. Yeah. A great time. Yeah. That's awesome. I kind of took a little space for him. He's like, he wants me to be like the other parents sitting and watching instead of getting in the middle. Being in the middle. Play. <laughs> it was fun. Though. Dad, come on, man. Put your work clothes. <laughs> so you look like dad. So... um what advice would you have for people out there that are that are in committed relationships that have kids, knowing the, the experience of separating from somebody when you have kids? You know, I'm I'm the product of a, a couple divorces. I don't think it's a bad thing necessarily. No, no. Um, but what would you? What advice? What did you learn about relationships? I think um, don't say anything bad about the other parent. Yeah, and make sure that the child is loved. Yeah, that's all they want to make them feel secure. Yeah, I think maybe that has something to do how he saw me. He felt because I did that. I went out of my way to make that happen to feel make him secure, and he liked that. Mm-hmm. He thought that's how every parent is, and this guy is so good at it. And he goes, "Oh, I want to be with my dad because I feel at home when I'm with him." Right, but with the boundaries. Yeah, once he turned thirteen. I was no longer his friend. I'm his parent. Mm-hmm. I stopped being a friend. I am a parent. That's yeah. what I start resenting and kind of resisting. The a natural. Little bit. I was fine with it. Yeah. 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 yeah so it's a great distinction the, right yeah, there. You have, to, you have to love them and make them feel secure. I think mm. that's what I think divorce makes them a little bit insecure, but make that child loved and secure, make a home for them. And, and when you get to a certain age, I'm your parent. Yeah. Right. You can't do this. No. Right. <laughs> that sounded so practiced. No. That's great. Yeah. So he was a very active kid. And one thing I learned from him, he was very asked questions. I learned skills saying, okay, let me think about it. Mm-hmm. Meaning that if it's a very important, he would come back and ask me. Right. If it's not that important, he you would forget you about, about it. it again. The same thing. I used to take him to mall. So he can play. But before we leave the house, I say, okay, we're going to the mall, but we're only going to watch. We're not going to buy anything, just watching. And then when he goes there, he sees something. He wants to buy. Oh, remember? We only came to watch. Oh, yeah. Okay. So he can play and toys and uh, wait on the outside and reading books and still learning and studying. And uh, now I tell him, he just, ah, he just me. You tricked me. <laughs> we came only to buy, to to watch. Remember? Yeah. We come here to buy. So when he would accept that. Um, I love that. That that's. Yeah. I'm gonna take that with me. That yeah. um, let me think about it. Yeah. Because I'm often just answering instead of yeah. Yeah. actually intentionally creating a little space for them to um, look at it. Yeah. Who um, who would you say were some heroes of yours um, growing up or now or? Oh, wow, that's a very good question. I think Eritrea in general, how we were raised, yeah. the teachers I had, the friends I had, we had this, even though we were occupied, we were also free at the same time. Hmm. The tightness of the family, all your uncles, your aunts care for you, they come and visit and 
You know, we just, uh, when somebody gets married, they, they don't have that much expense. We all chip in for free. Wow. You come in help. Right. That was the satisfaction that we got. Mm-hmm. We didn't wait somebody to hear my son, even if I ask him to cut the grass, he asked me to pay him. <laughs> right. He negotiates. That's <laughs> like, oh my God, what oh did I go wrong? Uh, up. No, if you an adult blesses you, if you see an older lady carrying uh, grocery, <laughs> if we carry for her, take her to her house, she blesses you. Oh my God, that's the biggest reward you can get. Wow. We did that just for that blessings. So I pretty much say I'm my own person. Yeah learn from the experience. But at the same time, I didn't realize this until I started practicing yoga, how much I trusted my own intuitions. Mm-hmm. It was, it's really interesting. Even to this day, when I make decisions, it's based on my intuitions. No, this is it. It's mm-hmm. easy for me to say no. It's easy for me to say yes, but I listen to my intuitions first. Oh yeah, it's for the good of the whole community for the better of the country for the better of my community i'm in yeah yeah it's like a yes and, I'm, I'm happy to pitch in yeah and where where can you can you tell us like kind of where in your body are you aware that it's intuition versus just a good thought i think it's in the heart because that's how you feel it, it here yeah, in, the med- you in your feel chest it. yeah i think uh-huh. it's most you feel it, it it's the same thing as as you teach yoga uh-huh. You have to trust your intuitions because there's so much going on. Someone can be uncomfortable, right? Not responding the way I'm teaching, mm-hmm. and or something is going on. I'm very good at going to that person without taking their space, just being there and touching a lot of you know, tell a joke and give them a little assess. I can tell the person being very receptive. They appreciate yeah. that. I'm a hand-on teacher, right? Is it you know? Hand assist is actually, you can learn it as a skill, but I think that pretty much is intuition. Right. You can feel it, who you wanted to adjust, who you wanted to leave alone. Right. You know, so. Yeah, it's in your body. Yeah, it's in your body. You feel it. And then that's when I realized, oh my God, I do trust my t- intuitions. Most decisions that I make is based on my intuitions. Yeah. Not because somebody did it, not because it sounds this good. And I'm the kind of person, if I made that decision, I give it 110%. I'm in. Yeah. And when I say no, it's no, go away. Right. (laughs) (laughs) I hear that. I love it. I think that that's a skill that comes. I I I wonder how much of that skill came out of, I'm, I'm sure, out of your life experience and how, you know, having a kid at 26, you get, you either... I mean, there's, there's so many paths out of that, but, but, but there's one path which says I get really clear with my boundaries because, um, having a kid becomes either important to you or it becomes a chain that, that holds you back. And I don't hear that that was the case for you. I hear that you did, you know, very quickly chose to be a father, to be a provider. Actually, um, growing up, we were seven boys. Yeah. I always said, I'm going to be a doctor. Mm. No children. Oh. To say no children at that time, yes. because your children are your everything. retirement and everything, especially from that culture. Yeah. Oh, no. No children. Maybe one. Uh-huh. That's why my parents don't come after me. Hmm. Oh, he gave us one. So we're good. Leave them alone. Yes. The others, they have four or whatever. They still come after them. Why stop? Why stop? With Sam, no, he made it very clear. 
you gave us one, so we grateful. It was more than we expected. I think to go a little bit further, for me, having Jonas was also, other immigrants had family members with them. I didn't. I was always alone. Right. Having my own flesh coming, it was an exceptional thing. Yes. I embraced it quickly. No, this is, that's why I didn't, you know, didn't agree with her. No, we're going to have it together. We're going to raise him. We're going right. to come to the United States with me. Here's a part of me because I always felt kind of, even though I had friends that I trust in a bit, they had brothers or sister. Sure. You know, like if, uh, Michael had his whatever cousin, aunt, whatever. I didn't. I was always alone, but I always stood out. I, I knew how to take care of myself. Actually, uh, I said that many times to you, honest, the best gift of all a parent can give to your child is self-sufficient. I think mm-hmm. that's the best gift of all, to make them self-sufficient. Yeah. Whether they fail miserably or whatever, self-sufficient. I think yeah. that's the best gift you can give to your children. I, I always believe that if you continually correct or handle your children's mistake, to me, that's you deny them the opportunity to learn from their mistakes. Right. There has to be a boundaries. It's okay as a parent to guard them because we live in a very crazy world right now. You want to, but you also at the same time, there should be a space where they're allowed to make mistakes and learn from that mistake without you interfering with that mistake. Let them acknowledge this is a mistake. Let them correct it. Right. I always felt that if when you take your children's mistake, you correct it, you're denying them that opportunity. That's right. Yeah. That's going to that's going to uh, continue yeah. to be something yeah. that they have to learn exactly. later. Yeah. Yeah, when maybe the stakes are higher early. Yeah, for that's sure. That's how they become so confident. They can be like Sam. You know? They can be like Sam. I love that. Everything yeah. I needed to learn about yeah. life I learned from yeah. Sam. Yeah. That's it that's our book. Yeah. That's very, our children's book. I'm very lucky. I'm easygoing and uh, I think maybe it has to do with my parents. My parent, my father was a public speaker, uh-huh. gifted public speaker, very tight with money, whatever. My mother was so generous. Yeah. She has a dollar. You need 50 cents. She will give it to you. Yeah. She thinks even, she's doing a hemp state. What if I needed that 50 cents tomorrow? No, she doesn't operate that way. So there's always that conflict between two of them. Oh, you give away this. It's okay. Sometimes she does it without him knowing it. <laughs> and she's so generous, ge- extremely generous. Does her name mean something? Yeah, Lette is uh, like God up is God above. Yeah, some like kind that. of. You see, most names are giving has a meaning to it, mm. or it's biblical, or some have a meaning to it. Yeah. It's interesting. Just as we're as we're wrapping up this first podcast, we yeah. we're not even going to get to yoga today. And no, no, that'll be our and next no. one. But one of the things that uh, your last comment really um, illustrates to me is the two sides of kindness. Yeah. Is that um, discipline and tight that came from your father around mm-hmm. resources yeah. mm-hmm. and generous and yeah. shirt off my back from your mother. Yeah. How, does, how, how do you think kindness shows up for you in your day-to-day life? How, how is it a teacher? Or how do you follow it? Wow. Yeah, I see that a lot. Part of it is that being donation studio. Mm-hmm. I had a student who came up to me, oh, um, why aren't you coming to practice? Well, I could, did you know that it's a donation studio? You can pay a dollar and practice. Who told you that? Really? Yes. Mm. No question asked. And I love that part of kindness. You, you know, if that's the only thing you can afford, it's okay. Yeah. Come practice. Mm-hmm. You know, one day when you make money, 
you may pay a little bit more. Sure. Because it goes back. It's like it's paying forward kind of concept. Yes. I like that about kindness. That's why I always become so protective. Yeah. And when other studio asked me to teach, I said, no, I already teach at kindness. That's right. enough. Yeah. So I said, I do teach at other places, but they're not studio. Right, so right. Kindness is like, I also feel that I'm partly ownership and that I have that ownership because I was there when we opened up and I was there when we grouted the tile, painting the wall, yes. all that stuff. I remember shoving all the furniture to one side, practice on one side yeah. until that portion is finished. And I always feel like um, I am kindness. Yeah, I am part of that legacy. So I have that ownership kind of thing. I'm very... I'm at the point right now, if something needs to get fixed, I don't ask anybody. I go ahead and fix it. Right. Or whoever is need to be, hey, you need to fix this. Yeah. You yeah. need to do something. If I can do it myself, I do it. Right. Quietly. If I can, I go to the person who I think, oh, I want I want you to be aware of this. So we need to handle this. Mm. So I yeah. love it. Yeah. And what does, what does, what do you think changed in the business? Because you were, you were with us when we were Yoga Energy. You were yeah. with us when we were Vital Yoga. Yeah. What what about the word kindness? Um, how did that change the community? How did that change the feeling as a student? Because you were a student at that yeah, time. Yeah. What what about the word tech, uh, <laughs> of kindness? How does it? How at the beginning, I resisted. I thought it was cheesy. What? Yeah. Kindness. What is it? Even now, when I teach at kindness, they think I teach kindness. Right. 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 Versus at kindness. Yeah. There are people still had to learn is actually is the name of the I did resist, but after uh, later on I, I embrace it now. Yeah. Wow, how genius. Mm. I was expecting something something else. Yeah, right. But kindness I like, but I, I have to confess, I did resist what? Ew. Do you think that a lot of people resist the the philosophy of kindness initially? Yeah. Yeah. Because I think one of the things I learned it's not just a word of mouth. It's not just expression. I think when it comes to kindness, you really have to experience it for yourself. Yeah. And not because somebody else told you how great the studio is. It does this. You have great teachers. It's a welcoming community. You can feel it the minute you walk into to the studio, the, the energy, the welcoming spirit. It's, it's not because the name is kindness. I think you have to experience it firsthand. I yeah. see that. I can hear from some people just the way I did. Once you experience it, oh, it is kindness. Yeah. Uh, what, what makes you, what makes you feel good? The minute I walked in, the welcoming spirit it was just overwhelming, mm. and I felt in. I felt welcome. I felt, yeah, that's how it is. Yeah. It sounds like it sounds like the home you grew up in. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. It's just like everybody is welcome. Come on. Even sometimes with no space. Oh, no, no, no. Yoga is about creating a space. Yeah. Hey, you move to the left. <laughs> you move, you move to, the to the right. You're going to press them. And then I get some roll eyes. And then they get it after work. Yeah, you know, yoga it. is about space. Yeah. Let's create a space. Hey, I see space. Hey, Jack, move to the left. Hey, you, Jennifer, to the yeah. right. And then, see? Yeah. That's it. Right. All you need is your yoga mat. Yeah. And then it's, it goes from there. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's right. Kindness is about space. The yeah, yeah. yoga is about space. Right, yeah. Um, yeah, it's beautiful. Well, you have been a pivotal person yeah. in my life. Yeah. You're gonna make and me cry. No, I remember. <laughs> I, I remember no, very, touch, very, yeah. be, right. very beginning. I think our yeah. first class together was on Sixth Avenue, maybe. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
And um, so Back you've, in 82. you've been my partner and friend and no, teacher for... 2002. 2002, yeah. since 2002. Yeah. So 17 years we've yeah. been traveling together. You were very nice. Actually, before the teaching, we were hanging out in the waiting area. Yeah. You started the subject, when do you hug a person? How do you hug a person? Yeah. And I spoke up in my culture, we just pull you in and give you all. I still yep. do. Yeah. If you resist, that's your problem, not mine. <laughs> and I pull you in, I give you just squeeze hug. And then you brought it to how do we bat men to women versus men to men? And that was the subject that you brought up yep. about hugging. Yes. And I think to your credit, hugging was not as Probably good as it is yeah. right now. You're I think right. looking back, people didn't really hug that much. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now I was like, wow. Lots so hugs. I take the credit. Yeah. Because <laughs> I was hugging everybody. You were. I was like, oh my. Mm. I, mean, I used to get a reaction. I pulled the person. They go, whoa. Yeah. They're not used to that. Yeah. And like, yeah. And yeah. then release. Yeah. Then, there it is. Yeah. Well, I love yeah. that you brought hugging to Denver. Yeah. Can we say that? Yeah. Let's just say that. <laughs> I'm in. I buy it. I buy it. Yeah. You, yeah. You, brought, you bring it yeah, to our life. That's how we hug and, you know. That's how it is. Yeah. Boom. Well, and then it turned out to be healing. It's a good oh, stuff. It's have. so good. It's yeah. Maybe so good. I was doing it for me. Yeah. But <laughs> well, for sure you were. Yeah. And I for felt others. so good hugging yeah. anybody. I don't care who yeah. you are. Yeah. I'm gonna open my arms. I'm gonna pull you in and squeeze you that few seconds. Release. Yeah. yeah. No, it's it's a it's a beautiful sentiment, yeah. and it's and it's uh, right in alignment with your spirit yeah. and who you are. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm excited. We're gonna. Conclude today. Next yeah. time, we're yeah. going to talk about yoga and the yes. whole journey of yoga. And yes. um, I, I'm really excited for how that's going to yeah. impact teachers yeah. and students alike. Yeah. Um, thank you so much, Sam. Yeah. 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 Everybody, have a, have a beautiful evening, yes. morning, yes. afternoon, wherever you're at. And uh, we'll talk soon. Beautiful day. Beautiful day. Yes.